0: You got a skateboard back there. I love it. Yeah, that's uh, it's a sore subject, and by sore I mean literally my ankle sore right now from a little incident like six months ago on it. Doing some ollie kickflips? <sighs> Not quite. <laughs> Not <laughs> even close. It wasn't even this one. It was my videographer Pablo. He uh, got one of those like uh, powered ones, those electric. Yeah. Uh, ones and he was the just the one guy, wheel not the one wheel it's it's a full four-wheel skateboard like a little bit smaller one but uh thing flies i, w- I was in meetings all day long and i uh, was coming out in a full suit he was getting it out of the box he had just gotten in the mail and i was like man let me see that thing and we go out in the parking lot and i jump on it and just hit it and i'm flying across the parking lot scared to death i'm starting to go towards a downhill <laughs> I, was like, I, I was like i gotta bail so i jump off And I jumped off successfully, but then in my my head, it was headed towards this curb. And I was thinking, man, he just got this thing. I don't want to bust up the front end on this curb. So I tried to kind of hop back on just to like stop it and just completely (laughs) snap my ankle. And Uh, uh, ended up at at the ER and it's, uh, yeah. And what did did your wife say? My wife was pissed. (laughs) Yeah, my wife would be like, I got zero compassion, and I was in a ton of pain. Like, I mean, it blew up, like, I mean, it was, was really We give them so much support and so, yeah. so much compassion, and then the second we have a little mess up, I know. Welcome to the Insurance Dudes, a podcast for insurance agency owners helping us
1: to think of different ways to optimize our business and our life. This week on the Insurance Dudes Podcast, we are so excited to have Tyler Jack Harris in this three-part series. This episode, we learn about Tyler's past, how to overcome adversity, and how he was able to sell an insane amount of insurance policies. You have to listen to the whole thing. This is such an awesome episode. What really interests me personally is I love the story of where you came from um, and how you were able to overcome those demons that everybody you know we all get in our heads sure you can't do it um and then you know your insurance background is a a killer story so
0: yeah let's just dive right in Uh, you know really my my story is pretty boring up until about four and a half years ago i mean uh raised in a in a good house and school was great you know got pretty good grades played sports, that whole deal. I went to Clemson University, came back to Greenville, South Carolina after school, got married immediately and went right into work. And things were going great. Things were going awesome. Uh, along with that was, you know, really getting a big head and thinking I was king of the world because things were going great. And you know, I kept having this feeling as though, you know, things can't go well forever. Like something at some point's going to happen in my life and I started thinking about it more and more and more and lo and behold, life did happen to me. I I had a failed marriage, a failed business and found myself uh, in a really bad place, you know, rock bottom as cliche as that sounds, uh, but was completely broke and in debt and out of shape and depressed. And, you know, having gone through the failed marriage, I had a spouse that had an affair and, and that as a man crushes your confidence. A failed business crushes your confidence. and Those two things basically happen simultaneously, uh, give or take a few months. And, you know, I spent about two years just playing the blame game, just playing the victim. Mm. I went from sales job to sales job, uh, not really putting any effort in and using that as an excuse, this fear of of going all in because I didn't want it to be taken away from me again. And right. so I use this excuse of, you know, it, when I would inevitably get fired or I would quit and people would ask me like, Hey man, what happened to that, that new thing you're, you're doing, ah, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't work out. If I would have tried, I would have killed it, you know, but I, yeah, I wasn't really into it. wasn't passionate about it. I wouldn't, you know, wasn't really trying at all. Just kind of use that as an excuse over two years, really. And finally just had this moment, uh, what do you call it? taking ownership or this aha moment or, uh, whatever, whatever phrase you want to put around it. It was as cliche as it sounds. Uh, but it really was taking a look at myself and realizing that I was exactly where I was supposed to be based on the decisions that I made, based on the things that I had done, based on the way I was living my life and that every single thing that had happened to me, every single thing that I had done, it was all my fault. And the moment that that I came to that realization. Finally, it was like somebody took handcuffs off of me. It was liberating. It was freeing. And it was, it was full of hope and encouragement because I figured if I got myself into this situation as bad as it was, I could get myself out of it. And that's my biggest encouragement to people everywhere is that, you know, you got yourself to wherever you are, good or bad. And the same power that you had to get yourself into that situation, you can get yourself out of it. And really the variable of being able to do that is work and the amount of work you're willing to put in. And one of my favorite lines that I kind of describe myself as is, you know, I'm, I'm an ordinary guy doing extraordinary things by my willingness to put in the extra, which is just my willingness to work harder than most people, uh, the majority of people. And the encouragement in that is understanding that, you know, you don't have to go invent some new way of selling insurance. You don't have to build some new way of, you know, with Allstate, you've got a system, like, you know, for those that are listening that are in that business, uh, but whatever you're doing, if whatever career path you're on, there's a system more than likely that has been created either by you or somebody else and you don't have to recreate that. You don't have to go figure out a new way of doing it. You just have to do what you know to do. Do the ordinary things, the, the normal things, the things that you know you're supposed to do, but just go do more of it than anybody else or more of it than you've ever done. And ultimately that will always turn out uh, positively. And, totally. and so that's what I did. I you know, started what I call waging war on personal change. I call it waging war because I was in a really bad place. And I knew that as bad as things were, it was going to take a lot uh, to get me out of it. And so it wasn't just... You know, I started to grow myself or I started to, you know, work on self-development. It was really waging all that war on personal change. I'm becoming a different person from the inside out, uh, starting with my body uh, and then into my mind with all the books and podcasts and videos that I was consuming every day, uh, the information from the mentors that came into my life and then, you know, my relationships and then ultimately my business. It was around that time that some mentors came into my life. How I don't know Um, why I don't know, but you know, it was one of those things where they saw more in me than I saw myself at the time. You know, my confidence was still just beat up and they started just pouring life into me and confidence into me. They were in the insurance business. And that's really the only reason I'm sitting here in front of you as someone that's in the insurance industry. I'd kind of jokingly say if they were in the rubber band business, I'd be on this podcast talking about this rubber band empire that we've built over the last few years, but they were in insurance and they gave me an opportunity to come work with them. And, and I took that opportunity. And for the first time, just put my head down and went all in. Uh, we, we were at a position with our company at that time where they'd been around for about three or four years. They had agents across the country, but they really needed the Roger Bannister. They needed somebody to go out there and run the four minute mile and show people what was possible. They needed somebody to take the system that had already been created and implement an insane amount of work into it to show people what would come out the other side because people just didn't believe that you could go sell 50 policies in a week. They didn't believe you could go sell 100 policies, life insurance policies in a week. And so they told me, they're like, we need you to go do exactly what we say. Don't try to do anything on your own. Just do exactly what we tell you to do, but go do more of it than anyone has ever even contemplated before. And so it wasn't long uh, until I had my first you know, 50 policy week, 100 policy week. I did uh, 238 policies in four days one time. I did 297 policies in 10 days uh, consecutively one time. And lo and behold, now, four and a half years later, our top 10 each week, you have to have over 100 policies to be in the top 10. And it gave people that that inspiration that, wow, I, I, I didn't realize if I did 3X, 4X, 5X, that 3X, 4X, 5X results would be produced from that. And, and now it's changed the way, you know, we, we, we run our business. It's changed everything about the landscape with which we coach our agents. And it gave me the opportunity over those you know, last four and a half years to become now part owner of that agency. Um, we've got, you know, over a hundred agents across the country and, you know, step into more of a coaching, training, teaching, leading role now, uh, which I love, but, you know, going from being flat broke to getting in the insurance business, 12 months later made like $303,000 uh, commissions, 12 months later, four dollars 12 months later, six fifty. dollars And then, you know, last year was the year I became part owner of the company. We did like 8 million in revenue uh, last year. And so, you know, it's, it's a crazy story, but again, there's nothing special about me. Like there's no particular skill that makes me great at what I do. I'm just willing to put the work in and, and let that speak for itself, and
1: the, but that is and the, special right? I mean overcoming those demons in our heads that, that tell us we can. I was just talking to, to somebody about this, and I was saying about I was talking about how we 're really a battle with ourselves, like there 's a way to do everything there 's a way to do anything if you want to achieve something somebody 's done it there 's a path for that. we know the steps we have to take every day, but for some reason we tell ourselves things in our head that make it impossible for us.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of that is just trying to, to avoid the dis the discomfort, you know, avoiding the things that are difficult. Uh, So we use these things to get in our own head as a way to occupy our brain from, (laughs) from thinking about all those things that we know we're supposed to be doing. Right. And, you know, I, I think the same way recently I've, I've really been thinking a lot about this idea. You you hear people say like, well, I don't need a house like that, or I don't need to drive a car like that. I don't need to have a watch like that. Like, sure you do. You just not you you just, you've just beaten yourself down to where you've come to the realization that you're never going to be willing to put the work in to get it. And so you have disguised that now and, and maybe even truly believed it now that you don't want those things or that you don't desire or need those things. Um, but it's not true. Like you would absolutely love to live that lifestyle or have those things. And so I I just want people to be able to start dreaming bigger again. I think people are now just settling for mediocrity and settling settling for these, you know, small lives that has nothing to do with their capability or their potential and has everything to do with, you know, this level of effort, level of life that they've just accepted as is what it is. And it's yeah. just, to me, it's so sad because, you know, it's not just the material things. It's the impact they can make, the the people that could help, you know, yes, yeah, sure. It's not about the, all about the money. You want to help a bunch of people? You need a lot of money to help a bunch of people. Right. And uh, the more money you have, the bigger impact that you can make. And, and I uh, just, I think it's a, a really big problem that I want to uh, make a little bit of a, um, a mark on, on improving.
1: And, and you were mentally at that place where you didn't think you could do it. Um, you were beat up. Uh, a lot of stuff happened in your past. What were the steps that you took? The the simple steps, not, I mean, everybody hears about these big transformations. And then that becomes, somebody's going to listen to this and be like, dude, there's yep. no way I'm selling 300 life policies in 10 days. Like, there's just no chance. So what were those little mental steps that you took?
0: Mental steps. Yeah, I think it's important to take a step back and, and look at that progression. That the first thing I did was I changed my body. Um, I think people, again, they disguise and they beat themselves down to ultimately maybe even believing that your health and wellness plays no role in business and plays no role in, you know, fulfillment and happiness. It's just not true. And, you know, I would love to say that it was this like altruistic thing at the time that made me do that. But, you know, I was recently divorced and found myself single and obese. <laughs> and I was like, that is not a good look for being single for the first time in you know, forever. <laughs> um, so I was like, crap, I got to get in shape. Uh, if I want to ever, you know, attract a member of the opposite sex again. <laughs> and, but, through that process you start to build your confidence and you start to build this belief in yourself and you start to think man i think i may be capable of more than i'm you know settling for right now so you know whether that's someone that's at rock bottom in that area of life or in all areas of life and and is looking to start it's a great place to start but it could be someone that has success in the other areas and still that's one area that's that's lacking you will never reach your full potential without your health and wellness, fitness being a major component of it. It's just not possible. And so, you know, that was, that was the first step. And so mentally, it was, it was really auditing the people I was hanging around with. Um, I'm so intrigued by, you know, Ed Milet's been talking a lot lately about this idea of looking at your identity or your standard as a thermostat. Now, whatever your thermostat, whatever your identity is set at, let's just say you're at 70 degrees. You know, one of the ways that you can ultimately increase that is by surrounding yourself with people that are of a higher temperature, of a higher degree of uh, the way they're living their life. And by just simply being around those people, your temperature is going to raise. And, and that's something that I did. I, I, these mentors were the first people that came into my life, but through my relationship with them, uh, and, and quite frankly, through social media, uh, you know, this c- circle of influence, these people that you surround yourself with don't have to be physically in front of you. They don't have to be sitting across from you at, you know, dinner or coffee. You know, they can be the people that you're allowing to pour into you through podcasts, through YouTube series, through books, through audiobooks, books, um, and ultimately just auditing every single thing that you're allowing in. And when you really take audit you realize the things that don't serve you. Like I quit really watching TV almost altogether. I never watch the news or anything like that, which my wife gives me a hard time about. She's like, you need to know what's going on in the world. I'm like, not really. It doesn't affect nope. me. I remember when I, I, remember that last time there was the big solar eclipse. Like I didn't know until everyone was like running outside and they're like, how do you <laughs> not know about this? I was like, I how would I know? I don't know. Um, but it's you know, all that stuff is just it's all negative and it's all you know, we, we don't realize how much of an impact negative stuff has on your on your on your brain, on and ultimately your body and and then ultimately the results that you're getting. And so it was taking a hard audit of all the things I was allowing in. And then the people that I was allowing, you know, in my life and that I was spending the most time with, and that was a difficult process. And it's something I've really haven't talked a lot about lately, but, you know, I lost a lot of friends, uh, which is really unfortunate. Um, you know, it's something that, you know, it, it's something that quite frankly keeps me up at night from time to time, you know, when things happen, because it was nothing that they, it was nothing against them. Like they're fantastic people. It was just a decision that, you know, I only had so much capacity. And as I was adding people and adding people and adding people just by process of elimination, it wasn't a choice where like I had a draft and like listed out every person I'm, you know, acquaintances with or friends with. And yeah, you didn't make it, you didn't make it. It's just, it slowly phased out over time. And and it's certainly something that I don't feel great about, but I still know, was one of the biggest catalysts for, for me getting to where I am today. And so at the end of the day, it's, it's worth it, but man, it's, it's not easy. And I, and the reason I say that is because there's a lot of stuff you hear these days, especially like from Gary V and, and people on social media about like, you know, cut your, fr- you know, cut the negative people out. I don't care if it's your mom or your brother or your best friend. Like, yeah, I, I get it, but it's, it's not that easy. Like you, you don't want to burn bridges and you know, when people's feelings are involved, like you got to be thoughtful through that process, but, but it was surrounding myself uh, with others. And then the other way to raise your thermostat is to just pack a ton of effort, a ton of activity into short periods of time. And so the schedule that I kept, like, you know, to me, it's sometimes it almost comes out as hyperbole. When I say I worked the hours that I worked like whether it was at 10 hours or 22 hours, it's almost like the same thing. It's just a lot. People don't really, they don't really register anything over 10. They're like, man, that's just a lot. Yeah. And that's why I created my daily vlog uh, last year was cause I wanted to show people. And that's why I do a lot of live content so that there's the timestamp from back in those days where I was going into meetings at 11 PM and then wasn't getting out till one and going into the, you know, the meeting the next morning at five 30. And, you know, people could actually see the amount of hours that were put in but that's not sustainable long-term. And so I would just cram as much effort as I possibly could into three or four days. And then, you know, Friday I would, I would sleep in and and have a lighter day. The weekends I would have lighter days. Then I would do that for three weeks. And then I would have a week that was a little bit lighter. And then I would do that for three or four months. Then I would have a month that was a little bit a little bit lighter, but every time you cram a ton of effort into a short period of time, it's kind of like that uh, watermark on a pool. When you flush a bunch of water into a pool and it raises up, creates that new watermark. And when the water goes back down, that mark is still there. And it gives you the ability to, when you go back to your normal flow of operation, your normal activity level, it starts to seem like it's not that bad. You're like, Oh, well I, I could do a little bit more now because I was doing this insane Insane, insane volume, insane work. I can do a little bit more now. Then every time you do those little spurts of just crazy effort, when you go back, you go a little bit higher in your uh, level of activity and your your level of results that you're getting. And so those, you know, those were two, you know, big things. The third, though, was being incredibly coachable and teachable, and having no ego through that process like I was just a blank slate. I was like, tell me exactly what to do. Tell me exactly what to say. I'll say it, I'll do it. And that's it. Like I won't question it. And a lot of that was because of the trust and belief that I had in those mentors. Um, You know, I didn't know them at the time very long, but I could just tell that what they were telling me was true. I, I could, I just believed them. It was their, the integrity behind, uh, you know, what they were saying and how they were saying it, and the stories that they were telling me. And, you know, I think back to that time now and I've, I'm just so grateful that I went all in and did what they told me to do because man, especially given the fact that where I was in life, it would have been so easy just for it to be one more sales opportunity that I squandered. Uh, and I'm so glad that I, that I really, really took hold of it. Uh, but I think that's it. It's being coachable, teachable, surrounding yourself with positive people that are doing better than you that can pull you and not you pull them and then just cramming insane work ethic and work effort into short little periods of time, short little bursts of time. And, you know, next thing you know, you look up a year later and you're like, Holy crap. I don't even recognize the person that I see in the mirror. I don't even recognize my bank account. I don't recognize where I'm at in my business and it's just that, you know, exponential growth over time.
1: I think one of the hardest thing for an all-state agent is uh to sell life insurance. Um Yeah. Uh we all have agencies honestly our goals for the year is as low as 12 policies on a 12-month <laughs> rolling basis. Yeah. up to 18 and everyone's complaining, struggling um I love that you can cru- like you crush so much <laughs> in a small period of time. Yeah. What are a couple little tidbits, a couple techniques just on the technical side of things?
0: Yeah. That, um, that helped you. So the biggest thing, you know, just from it's 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 the key, but it's not so like, you know, detailed and technical, but it's the key is is creating a niche or identifying a niche that's insanely narrow. And okay. so I think that's what, especially, you know, the, your, your, the all-state agents that are that are listening, watching, you try to be all things to all people, you end up being nothing to no one. You know, anybody that walks in the door, anybody that you're in contact with, yeah, that can be my target market. And yeah, I've got some product that's great for you. But it's really developing the exact, almost like an avatar of like what that ideal customer or client looks like and then building all of your systems around reaching just those people. And so every script, you know, what you say, how you say it down to every little word, every word, like we've, we have rewritten and modified our scripts 500 times because someone in some part of the country started saying something a little differently, started having good results. We tested in a couple different places and then ultimately made a change in our script because it was better. Again, there's no ego, even from the top down, you know, if, if someone figured out a better way to do it, we're all ears, but down to what we wear, how we stand, how we sit, the materials that we show them, the things that we hold in our hand, the bag that we carry, like everything is tailored around understanding that group of people better than they understand themselves And to me, there's no manipulation involved. There's no, there's nothing sleazy or, you know, about it. It's the ultimate form of respect to me. It's no different than if someone speaks Spanish and I come walking in trying to sell them a life insurance policy speaking German, it's not going to be very effective. But if I learn Spanish just to be able to cater a message to that person to get them to a buying decision quickest and most effectively, and that's the ultimate form of respect that I'm showing that person. And that's what we've done is we've, we've created a scenario where we give people all the information they need very, very quickly. We plan a little seed of doubt then offer them an immediate solution to where they can make a buying decision quickly. And, you know, it very much becomes order taking at that point. Um, I could wake me up in a dead sleep. I could recite every part of every script and, you know, then it's just, so what do you want to start with? Like that's literally, that, that is literally my close in every single meeting over 8,000 policies in three and a half years. I even do that with my shoulder. I shrug my shoulders. I go, so what do you want to start with? So what do you want to start with? Nice and light. And, and they'll say, oh, you know, the number one, number one objection we all get is I need to think about it or I need to talk to my spouse. Right. And this is a good, you know, tactical tip here. First, you're going to agree with them, you know, completely understand. Like I would have to talk to my spouse about this as well. The majority of people I've met with today said they needed to talk to their spouse, but here's why they went ahead and signed up anyways. You know, we're just going to fill out the paperwork and submit the application. You're not going to pay anything today. We can set your payment out, you know, week, two weeks, whatever you need. Um, We're just getting the process started today. And then literally immediately. So what do you want to start with? So what do you want to start with? I got it. And there's, there's times where I've said four or five different, you know, answers to someone's objection, but it all goes back to, so what'd you want to start with? And I don't even look them in the eye. I'm, I'm looking down and pointing on the, on the brochure, exactly what I want them to start with. (laughs) And I'll just sit there and silence like, what'd you want to start with? And just, and they're like, I guess 250,000. Sure. You and your spouse. That's another really, really, really good line. You and your spouse, almost like it's just an afterthought. Like, of course, it's, right. of course it's two policies, not one, right? So for every person I'm meeting with, it's, you know, we're selling two policies, hopefully. Any kids over 18, you know, we're definitely trying to sell them policies. So I can sit down with one person and sell, you know, three, four or five policies potentially. Um, but it's just, it, it takes, what we've done is we've taken every sales aspect out of the equation, we're there to serve. We're there to provide them with a solution to a need that they have. We're not there to sell them anything. We even say, we even tell them, like, look, if you, if you need coverage, great. If you don't need it, great. Either way, I'm, I'm indifferent. My job is just to simply educate you on what you have available. And and i in, in truly believing that because you know, as you get into the business and you learn your system you'll learn eventually what your conversion ratios are, your close ratios are. This is just a numbers game at that point. Like you just have to trust, trust in those conversions. So I know like if I'm sitting down with someone, I've gone through the pitch and if they're giving me a bunch of objections, I'm literally trying to get them out of my face as quickly as possible because I know there's five more people that I need to get to that are getting less interested by the second. And that it's not my job to force them to buy. It's just my job to get the information out and let the numbers do the rest. Um, and I think a lot of people, they get so caught up, they get this commission breath. you know, They get this desperation, which pe- people can feel and sense and smell from a mile away when you really need that sale. Like I had to have 12 policies this year and I've only got 10 it's December 15th. Like I've, right. you know, I've like right. you, like, I really like, what can I do to, to make you buy? They can sense that from a mile away, but when you genuinely are, um, oh, what's that word? Um, indifferent. Like I love that word indifferent. When you genuinely look and feel indifferent, like, I don't care. Sometimes I'll add like, it doesn't matter to me. It certainly matters to your family. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, I'm, I'm completely indifferent uh, when they can actually feel that it t- take that to the extreme. Like when, when they're looking at, wow, I'm thinking, you know, should I do the 200 or the hundred thousand? Like do the 50. Why don't we just start with the 50 and then, you know, later, if you need to add more, add more every single time I do that, they go, you're right. Let's do the 200 <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, because you're, because you're being a good person. Like you're not no. trying to put them into something that they're uncomfortable with. I'm like, shoot, let's start at the lowest. I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Um, so I think you take like, nobody likes to be sold, but everybody loves to buy. That's one of my favorite lines. Uh, nobody mm. likes to be sold, but everybody loves to buy. And, and we all know what it feels like when someone's trying to sell us. And if you can eliminate that, you know, completely off the table to where you're just having a conversation and they know that, you know, there's no pressure whatsoever, every, it, you know, even down to the, so you, what do you want to start with? that idea of starting is huge too. Starting, what do you want to start with? It's like the least path of resistance. It's like, I'm just starting. I can always, cause they can't always change it, cancel it, whatever. Um, we have very, very low um, cancellations, chargebacks uh, within our organization, but um, yeah. What do you want to start with? What do you want to start with? That's that's what it's all about. Tyler, how yeah. much of the process Actually, uh, is is needs based, where you're you're uncovering what they need, and uh, it's such a so because you know the because of the way our systems created and and the volume that we're doing. I mean, it sounds a little bit silly, but like they all need it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, with what we're doing, like we have we sell one product, and we sell a lot of it, and it, we know that they have other coverage, and so we don't have any we. We're not. We're certainly not, you know, ignorant to the fact that people have tons of different coverages from different places. Their brother's a State Farm guy, and there's, you know, uncle used to work for Mass Mutual. You know, all, all these things. Like they've got plenty of coverages, but to me, that's where it gets into planting a little seed of doubt not creating like this gigantic concern that they're going to need to really sit down with all of their stuff. And I'm going to need to look at all this over and I'm going to need to talk to my other advisor and I'm going to talk to my other agent and I'm going to really need to sit down and figure this out. I'm just planting like a little seed of a doubt of like, huh, I never really thought about that. And then immediately offering them a solution that seems so, so seamless and so effortless. And again, they're just, they're just starting there and it's just adding to you know what they already have uh another line that i really love that i use every you know not all the time but probably 30% of the time when i feel like somebody needs it is i'll say uh, <laughs> uh everybody gets to choose the legacy that they leave behind so what do you want to start with <laughs> and it's, it's yeah it's a tough one to to say no thanks Um, but yeah, so, I mean, needs analysis for us because we're not doing some, you know, huge strategy and looking at all the different things. Um, it's not really high on the radar. We just know that there's yet to be a beneficiary upset because they had too much life insurance. And that's just a fact. And, um, and I feel extremely, extremely good about that when I go to sleep at night. Hey, thanks for checking out the insurance dudes. Hey, please subscribe.
1: We got some really great stuff coming out.